702. Crime time. 20 minutes after 9 o'clock. I see lots of you want to talk about the Judge uh, Sharpe issue. I'm happy to have that conversation. We'll open it up in the uh, um, final hour. Mabasa says to me, Aubrey, don't conflate ideology with misconduct. Sharpe was impeached not for his ideological views, but his acts as a judge. And that is from Vic uh, in Pretoria. Happy to accept that too, Vic. I'm simply saying that his misconduct may have been inspired by what some may understand to be rogue political ideologies. And some may argue that a judge shouldn't be showing his uh, political ideologies. And if that's the case, I'm saying that maybe you don't impeach, you you, you have a, a different conversation. Somebody says, you're late, Aubrey Thorpe is gone. I know. I agree with you that Chope is gone. But it doesn't stop the conversation from continuing. My conversation is not to stop the impeachment. It is to say that there is another view. And let's talk about it. I I know that Judge Chope is gone. I'm not trying to stop the process. I'm simply saying that the reason why there's fallout about the matter is because there is another view. And to simply dismiss the other view is also not helpful. Because it's there. Yes. <laughs> what do you want it to do? To go underground? What do you want it to do? To shut up and say, I, I mustn't have this? So let's do this. Let's open up the lines in the, in the final hour. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Let's talk. <laughs> That's what we do on a talk show. Uh, Kerry von Ludwig is my guest, family law attorney. We're talking about children now. Yeah, so please don't call about the shopper situation. <laughs> We're talking about children and the law. Happy to take your calls in the final hour of the show. Let's talk about it. And again, I'm, I'm saying to you that I'm open to being persuaded. But to say to me, ah, shut up. Okay, I'll shut up. But the conversation is going on at the moment. It is going on. To say shut up and then we hide the conversation doesn't help. Let's talk. If I'm stupid, you'll persuade me and, and, and I'll... I'm, I'm not. I'm not. Not going to learn if I need to learn something. Uh, Kerry is a family law attorney. Kerry, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, sorry for uh, bringing you into our late night talk issues, but uh, really, really uh, happy that you've uh, d- uh, agreed to join us to talk about this very important situation. A youngster, grade six, shoots people at the school. Uh, and obviously, it's a bad thing. Uh, we discover further that there was a list. There were other teachers that were supposed to be uh, uh, behind uh, or that were supposed to be shot by this young boy. What does the law say about, first of, first of all, that crime? I, I imagine it's a crime to shoot people, even if it's done by a minor. But what does it say about how that child is to be treated? Aubrey, may I, may I start, if I may, and let me just say I'm very grateful you didn't get me onto the impeachment topic. I'm biting my lip here. Let me <laughs> my sure. topic. Sure. It, it's more clear-cut. Yep. And there I do want to say to you, let's not focus only on this little man that we're talking about and his school teacher. Sure, sure. Because we'll get into a lot of debates about particular people in particular situations. Indeed, indeed. I want to give us a little bit of good news. Yep. And having double-checked the law... 
I actually had to support of some colleagues and say, you know, I don't do much of the criminal side of family law. I do more of the civil side of things. Right. And I had to get hold of colleagues and say, is this real? Does it really work like this? And I got hold of a lovely colleague called Pratima Osman in the Cape who said to me she was, in fact, instrumental in drafting this piece of legislation. And she can tell me that in a real sense, with actual real people like us, this piece of legislation works. So if you would indulge me, I would like to just read a page from the Child Justice Act. Indeed. Do we have time to sure, do that? Sure, absolutely. Go ahead. Yeah. Okay, so Aubrey, what it's called is it's called the Child Justice Act. And it has a preamble which says this. It says, recognizing that before 1994, South Africa as a country had not given many of its children, particularly black children, the opportunity to live and act like children, and also that some children, as a result of circumstances in which they find themselves, have come into conflict with the law. The next heading is, it says, and mindful that the Constitution of the Republic of South Africa as the supreme law of the country was adopted to establish a society based on democratic values, social and economic justice, equality and fundamental human rights, and to improve the quality of life of all of its people, and to free the potential of every person by all means possible. And I'm going to pause now and I'm going to say to you, you can, you can understand why I would have phoned a colleague and said, does this actually work in practice? Yes. Because it doesn't look beautiful on paper. Yeah. But... Let me read to you because I'm told that this actually works. And if we have time after that, I'm going to tell you how it works. So amongst others, we as, as citizens of South Africa, we have the right not to be detained except as a measure of last resort. And if detained, now this is children, the best interest children. If detained, it is only as a last resort and for the shortest appropriate period of time. Children are entitled to be treated in a manner and kept in conditions that take account of their age. They are kept separately from adults, and boys and girls are separated whilst in detention. They are entitled to family, parental, or appropriate alternative care, and they must be protected from maltreatment, neglect, abuse, or degradation, and they must not be subjected to practices that could endanger their well-being, their education, their physical or mental health, or spiritual, moral and social development. And it goes on to say that the current statutory law, and by that they mean a piece of legislation called the Criminal Procedure Act, does not effectively approach the plight of children in conflict with the law in a comprehensive and integrated manner that takes into account their vulnerability and special needs. And that is basically saying that previously we had one piece of law that said what happened to criminals. And in answer to your earlier question, yes, Children who commit crimes fall under the broad spectrum of criminal law and criminals, and they need to be dealt with within the parameters of criminal justice. Mm. And before, all we had was the Criminal Procedure Act. Mm. But now we have this Child Justice Act, and it's wonderful. This is a little bit of long reading, and I'll paraphrase some of it to make it a little easier to understand a bit quicker. Yes. But it tells us that the aims of the Act are, the first one, to establish a criminal justice system for children, children who are in conflict with the law, in accordance with the values underpinning our constitution and our international obligations. And it wants to create as its central feature the possibility of diverting matters involving children with limited offenses away from the criminal justice system in appropriate circumstances. And we need to think about that. So not every little 
monster who does something naughty. You know, you've got a naughty little monster versus a hardened criminal. There have got to be appropriate circumstances. Whilst children whose matters are not diverted are to be dealt with in the criminal justice system in child justice courts. The other principle of the Act is to expand and enforce the principles of restorative justice whilst ensuring their responsibility and accountability for crimes, but to recognize the present realities of crime in this country and the need to be proactive in crime prevention by placing increased emphasis on the effective rehabilitation and reintegration of the children to minimize their potential for reoffending. And we look sideways there and we say, yep, that's one of the things that happens when you go to prison. Mm. Do you get rehabilitated or do you learn more clever ways to do more crime? Mm-hmm. And that's a for another day. It also tells us what it's trying to do is balance the interests of children and those of society with due regard to the rights of victims. Because that's another thing. What, what happens to the victims? Yeah. It's all very this poor little kid. But what about the victim, particularly if that victim is another child? Yes. Yes. So this is, this is a beautiful act, and I basically what it does is it gives us three categories of crime. You've got your Schedule 1 offences, which are your, let's call them not terribly serious offences, and Schedule 2 and Schedule 3, and the Schedule 3 involve things like murder. Yes, children can do murder. Mm-hmm. And if children murder, if they commit murder, then they must be dealt with appropriately. But we've then got to look and say, is this a child who is under 10 and it breaks children down into a number of categories? A child in our law is anyone under 18. Right. Anybody who's thinking that children are under the age of 21 is a little bit out of date. 18 is our age of majority. Right. But we break it down and we say a child under 10 is actually not capable of committing a crime. Simple as that. If you're under 10, you don't, it's, it's being predetermined yes. that you don't have the capacity to tell right from wrong. So if an under 10 commits a crime, he goes straight to a probation officer. He or she does not get into, it's simply that they can't, they don't have the capacity to commit crime in law and they go straight to probation. They may not be arrested, police notify a probation officer and boom, 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 off they go. Second category is 10 to 14. Aubrey, you sound like you want to ask me something. I do want there. to ask you something, and, 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 mm-hmm. and, and, but I don't want to break your, your train of thought because it's exactly what we need to know, uh, Kerry. But I did want to say that part of the reason why it's important for us to understand these issues is because we are beginning to understand, at least on this show, that legislation, laws are beginning to be constitutionalized in other words that those laws are having to defer to the constitution and the values that are in the constitution which would be democratic and so forth and we do come from a history where i don't know the law was the law and that's it Uh, and as you said that even for children um they would have been um you know for for children in conflict with the law, as, you, as you've put it, uh, would have been seen through the lens of that kind of of legal setup. Uh, no, well, they would have all been judged according to one piece of legislation. Yes. And the beauty of this, and I mean, this thing didn't come about overnight. There were hundreds of committees, and I've done a little bit of reading in the couple of hours since I got the call to say, please, would I come and talk about this? Yep. 
the reading showed me how much there's been written about this and how readable it is. One of the things that I loved reading, and I, I haven't lost my train of thought, we'll go back to the next thing, sure. but one of the things I loved reading was the National Instruction 2 of 2010, which goes out predominantly into the police. And it sets out in user-friendly terms. It's, it's a little outdated that it still talks about children younger than 12 instead of 10, but once we've understood that that was amended, we'll, we'll be fine with that. It basically tells anybody who's prepared to sit down and read about 58 pages exactly how this works. And then there's another article that I, I can't remember exactly. I've got them all in front of me here on the table, but they're just too many to share. Yeah. But there's another beautiful one that explains how government has to change, how the Department of Social Development, and it has little headings. So it tells you what the police need to do, what the DSD, Department of Social Services, needs to do, what the courts need to do, what all the various role players actually need to do to make sure that this beautiful piece of legislation, which is a constitutional piece of legislation, exactly as you say, this is something that has been drafted with a big eye on the constitutionality of it and on the realism of it. It's so, so, so it's the it's the realism issue that I also want to perhaps uh, explore with you. So, mm. you, you, are, are you suggesting to me that there are laws that can be cerebrally logical but unimplementable on the material Sorry? ground? Put those words in my mouth. No, I'm not suggesting that to you because I'm not a constitutional lawyer and I'm a very simple family law expert. Yeah. There probably are. I don't know of any of them. But what I am suggesting to you is that the systems of implementation of many laws are inadequate um, in ways such as our lower courts and our police force and our Department of Social Development, our social workers, all of them understaffed, underpaid, under-resourced, etc., etc. And what I think happens is when we have relatively old laws, a lot of it, because it's not constitutionally fresh and it's not understandable and real, a lot of it just falls into, well, that's how we've always done it, so we'll always do it and we haven't got the resources and blah, blah, blah. To my mind, this is such a fresh new piece of legislation. It's so easy to read. It's so clear and it tells you so obviously what you have to do that even overworked understaffed police overworked understaffed probation officers people from the dsd um officers of courts yeah. are able to look at it read it and say well that's not actually hard to do and therefore it becomes easier to implement because it's simple but and it's, but, 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 but my, yeah. my question kerry is that are there, and you, you, I suppose you've answered that question, but uh, I suppose I'm looking for, 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 for a more concrete answer. Uh, uh, is, there, is there a suggestion, I suppose, that says there are laws that are in our statute books that are hard to implement? Well, there must be in every country, in every statute book, there must be. But as I said, I'm not an academic. I'm not particularly intellectual or bright. I'm the wrong person to ask, and it would be something I and I'm, I'm not going to give it to you because it's worth nothing on on that question. All right, okay, all right. So 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 continue with the 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 trend of thought that I sort of stopped. Yeah, you. Yeah, a little break I've got on something that I do know about. Yeah, that is very exciting. 
The second um, category of, let's call them little criminals, if, if for want of anything better to call them, and I'll be judged for that, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. But the category of potential offenders is from 10 years to 14. And even then, you don't automatically presume that they have criminal capacity. So they do a criminal act. And the question is, can they distinguish right from wrong? And it is up to the state, not up to the child and the child's defense, but up to the prosecutor to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that that child is able to appreciate the difference between right and wrong and and was able to do that at the time they committed the crime. So what we call that is a rebuttable presumption of criminal capacity. So that also protects a child from 10 to 14. We don't automatically say, I don't know, you shot someone, you knew it was wrong, you must now go and be prosecuted. We say, let's look at this particular child. Mm. Then you get the category 14 and upwards. And then there is, well, there's 14 to 16, which is not really relevant for what we're talking about now. And then there's 14 to 18. And those are more relevant for who can be arrested when and how and how they get detained. Right. And then there's even a little category, 18 to 21, which deals with people who committed crime when they were under 18, but they're now over 18. Right. So just the very fact that all these things are taken account of, and it's not just one big blanket that says people who do bad stuff must be judged in accordance with this. This is all kinds of different people who may have different capacities and so on and so forth. And then what it does, there are a number of other things that are distinguishable. It talks about, for example, you cannot even consider arresting a child under 10. You must find a way to get that child to a probation officer, but it's not an arrest. Similarly, when you're dealing with the 10 to 14, there's a lot said in the law about what has happened to that child. So you get to the scene of a crime and there's a 10 to 14 year old. Mm. And there's also a section of the act that talks about determining the age of a child. Remember, not all children know how old they are. We're not necessarily talking about children who grew up in an affluent suburb and go to school and know exactly what their age is. We're dealing with all kinds of lost children who may not know exactly how old they are. There are methods to determine their ages as well. And there are methods to ensure that these children don't end up in a prison cell. There are different places to hold them and there are different rules that pertain to them. And it's really only the much older children accused of serious Schedule 3 crimes who have any potential of ending up in Tronk, as we call it, air sure. What happens? Ready, mm, yeah. Ask me. What happens in terms of the record, right? So, so you've made it very, very plain for us to understand that there are categories of children, uh, and each category of children is going to receive the appropriate sort of uh, treatment in law. I'm interested about well, that. About that yeah, record. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, Kiri. Stop me if we're running out of time, but yes, that's just how you apprehend them and get them in front of the law. Right. A whole lot of other procedures. And the first one is called diversion. And it means, this is also what I like, the language of this legislation is simple. We all know what it means to divert something. You divert traffic on another road. You divert a river off its course. You get diverted when you're talking. It means exactly that. Divert the child away from the criminal justice system. And with lesser crimes and younger children, the opportunities of going straight into diversion, that's not the norm, Mm -hmm. or into diversion after an assessment 
are very strong. And diversion is designed to keep them out of the criminal justice system. Mm. I've got a that tells us what it is, but they're, you know, they could go into, say, a family mediation or they could go into a victim, I forget exactly what it's called, but a victim and offender mediation. Right, so right, yes, I've heard about, yes. All those kinds of things, or, you know, for the lower crimes. The second sort of leg of the process is that there is an assessment conducted. takes place at, well, it takes place where all role players, the investigating officer, the prosecutor, witnesses, etc., will play a role in what is this actually all about? What happened? Who is alleged to do what? What can we do about it? Etc., etc., etc. So that's another opportunity to either divert into a diversion or carry on with the actual court process, which then goes into a preliminary inquiry, which is a little bit more courty, shall we say. Mm -hmm. We're now talking about court appearances and court processes and magistrates and prosecutors, but you're also talking about having a parent or a guardian or a responsible adult present. You're sometimes talking about having probation officers present, all those sorts of things. And the prosecutors are specialist prosecutors who've read up on all of this and know what their duties are. And those preliminary inquiries are also, it's kind of like a little mini trial. But again, it is, and those have got to be held within 48 hours of the, let's call it an arrest in inverted commas, Mm -hmm. right? So again, we've got short, short, short time periods, which doesn't happen with adults. We often hear of adults being arrested and held for their 48 hours before they even go for bail. We're not talking about these kind of things with children. Yes. So then we have preliminary inquiries, potential diversions, and really usually in the most, and important thing to answer your question, if you are the subject of a diversion, you do not get a criminal record. Ah. So your diversion goes into a little register, and you are monitored as to whether you do whatever it is, whatever program you are diverted onto. If you don't do it, then you get stuck back into the system for the assessments and all the rest of that stuff, and you might go through the process. If you do do it, you go into that little register, and that is not a previous conviction, as it were. It's not a conviction. It's not a criminal record in the classical sense. Correct. So if you have done a committed, I'm going to stop saying done, it's so colloquial. If you have committed a less serious crime, you have a very good chance of being diverted out of the system into something rehabilitative, educational, socially responsible, and your record is not ruined. And it's said in one of the many, many, many pages that I read, it specifically mentioned how a record can, number one, stigmatize you socially, and number two, has great impact on your prospects of employment going forward into the future. Let's look at those children between the ages of uh, 14 and 18 who are found to be guilty of a Schedule 3 crime, for example. Mm-hmm. Do they? they will have records. They will have records. They right. will. And, and, that, and is that is that into, into perpetuity? No. It specifically says, again, I even printed out a copy of the the thingamajig that you fill out, but there's a particular form where you can make application to have your criminal record expunged. As I've read it, you, with, if, you do a, if you commit a Schedule 1, you can have it expunged within five years. 
If you commit a Schedule 2, you can have it expunged within 10 years. And I will be honest with you, I couldn't find an expungement for a Section 3. So I don't think it is an automatic expungement. I think there you would probably have to follow, let's say, what we call the grown-up system, where each must be on its own merits and you must make application for expungement of your criminal record. And that gets referred to, it's somebody very high up. I can't remember exactly who it is, but it would be like a, a brigadier or somebody like that. Right. So it's not just that they cancel it out. It's, it's serious. And this also I like because what we're not doing, and I think one of the criticisms that could be directed at this act is, oh, well, you know, it's all about looking after these little children. And what about society? And what about the victims? And there are some particularly nasty, hardened criminals out there at the ages of 12, 13, 14, 15. Why should we be kissing their bottoms and letting them back out again. Mm. And I think there, it is strong enough. It does, you know, much as I've highlighted all this nice, kissy-feely, rehabilitative stuff, there, there is certainly provision in here that so, a child yeah. may be detained in prison if there are compelling circumstances, um, if there's a history of violence or aggression, or if youth care centers are not sufficiently secure, or if, you know, a family can't look after them. There's a whole section that talks sure. about they can be detained if they, if they haven't got any support, if they've got behavior which can't be controlled by an adult. Even children who've got nowhere else to go, lives and works on the street or begs for a living, if they're an addict, if they need to be protected from exploitation. There are all kinds of more serious stuff that are definitely dealt with as well. And it does go on to say that children 14... And up under 18, in terms of a Schedule 3 offence, even from arrest, number one, they must be arrested, like properly arrested, not just, you know, helped along into a car and driven somewhere nice. And it must be, Section 27 says, must, in emphasised letters, be in a police cell or lockup, pending a decision by the inquiry magistrate. Hmm. So, so clearly, the... the there is a very progressive um, framework for uh, how we treat children in our criminal justice system. I love the fact that we have different categories of children and the appropriate sort of actions will be taken at the appropriate um, uh, um, categories. But you just touched on something there where some, as you say, may be looking for some putative measures in the cases mm. of uh, children that are found to be guilty. That, yes, it's all good that we are looking for rehabilitation, for trying to make sure that this child is uh, reintegrated into society because, you know, it's a child and so forth. I'm interested to, for you to go into what levels of punitive to punish or is that a completely outlawed notion in our law uh, when somebody has been found guilty of a crime and happens to be a mi minor? Is there a sense that there is um, room for that kind of dimension in the treatment of uh, minor offenders? The punishment? Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Specific, there's a specific section in the directives, and the directives are written in terms of the Act, that talks about sentencing. And once you've run your trial with a particularly, you know, more serious crime and a 
diversion isn't appropriate and there's been an assessment and there's been a preliminary inquiry and all of these things and the prosecutor determines that this is a trial that needs to be run and they must consult with the victims and they must talk to their witnesses like any other criminal trial where an adult has committed a crime the prosecutor will decide that this trial is going to be run is run like a proper trial yeah simple as that the child may even be in the child may be incarcerated pending the trial. Mm-hmm. And, and now we are talking about older child. And it specifically says here the prosecutors will address the court on sentence. And then the one thing, unfortunately, I didn't have time to really look at, but it says the minimum sentence provisions in the Criminal Law Amendment Act do not apply. I don't know what that actually means. Mm. But it talks about the prosecutors are encouraged to obtain a victim impact statement. Now, obviously, that is, to press for a serious sentence. You don't get a victim impact statement to say, well, it's all fine and I don't want this person sure. punished. Victim yeah. impact statements are usually to press for punishment. Yeah. And yeah. pre-sentence reports are compulsory and must be requested by the court. Um, so, yes, there, I can't tell you because, I mean, obviously the minimum sentencing and the types of sentencing and everything would pertain to the crime. You know, now given that it is a, a Schedule 3 or a Section 3 crime, it would be a serious crime. But that would be the same sort of address that the prosecutor would say to the magistrate. You know, this is a very serious crime and they should be put in prison and they should not have the option of a fine. And I suppose with children, they don't have the option of a fine anyway because where are they going to get the money? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So whether they go into a correctional facility for an adolescent, what level of correctional facility they go into, I'm not qualified to say. But yes, there is very definitely, we haven't moved away from being punished for crimes. No, yeah. that, that, that in my view would yeah. be completely wrong. Yeah. Oh, double one eight eight three oh seven oh two is the number to dial. The lines are always open. Somebody asked me the other day, are we allowed to? Of course, you're allowed to call in and ask any questions, make any comments so that we can talk about it. Uh, my guest's name is Kerry von Ludwig and she's a family law attorney. Uh, and she's expertly explained some of those uh, ideas to us that uh, that are to be found in the way that children are treated by the law when they've been in contravention of those laws. Uh, and I'd love to hear your thoughts, uh, your questions um, that you might want to put to, to Kerry uh, as far as that is concerned. There is... Aubrey, have I got a moment? I've sure, of course, of course. Would you let me? Yeah. And this is an article by the Department of Justice and Constitutional Development itself which can be found on their website. And I think this is exactly what you want to know. Sentencing options. The Child Justice Act provides a wide range of appropriate sentencing options, specifically suited to the needs of children. Sentencing options include the following. One, a community-based sentence is a sentence which allows a child to remain in the community, such as community service under the supervision or control of an organization or institution, or a specified person, persons, or group of persons identified by the court. So there you have your soft, you know, feely, touchy, kissy mm-hmm, mm-hmm. one. Yeah. Two, restorative justice options. This means an approach that involves the child offender, the victim, the family is concerned, and community members who all identify the damage, the needs, and obligations that arise as a result of the child's act. If the child accepts responsibility and makes some effort to prevent this type of incident, This can promote reconciliation. This may be handled through a family group conference, a victim and offender mediation process, or other restorative justice processes. There are three more. A fine or symbolic restitution. 
and offer to pay a fine or make another form of symbolic restitution, such as fixing a broken window from his or her own pocket money, is another way of making restitution. An obligation may rest on the child to provide some service or benefit provided that the child is 15 years older or older. This is another option that the court may consider. I was wrong. There are four more. May I go on? Or sure, we... sure. Go ahead. Go ahead. I think this is very, very important. Well, you see, we're getting more and more serious as we go. The next one is correctional supervision. Yeah. A child could be sentenced by the court to undergo correctional supervision. In such a case, the child will be supervised by the Department of Correctional Services to do what is listed in the court order. So that should go hand in hand with one of the others. You'll do one of these restorative justice options, but you've actually got a, a prison officer checking up on you. And I mean, that's jolly intimidating. Mm-hmm. Next one would be attendance of a non-custodial sanctions program. So you're not in the gefangenis. A child could be ordered to attend a non-custodial sanction program, such as a school program. Then we have child and youth care centers. A child could be sentenced to stay in a child and youth care center for a specified period of time. Stout school. Stout school. Yeah. Right. Do we still have that? We do. And I mean, there's a whole big story here about the accreditation of these facilities and who they are and where they are and how you ascertain which one is the right one and if there's enough space for the child and so on and so forth. So this is a big thing. And it's, it's not a holiday. It's yeah, not I, 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 I remember, you know, the stories of Athol Fugard uh, telling, you know, of his exploits at, at the Deep Kloof, um Stout School. And mm-hmm. I, I've, I've since never heard of the existence of Stout Schooler. Uh, so you're saying to me that they still exist and that kind of... Let's hope we get some fabulous phone calls because it's time for me almost to shut up. I've only got one well, more paragraph here, to read here, and then here, are some, the here are some uh, engagements from our listeners on uh, our WhatsApp line. R- Ramesh? Let's give you this last one and then we can listen and see if we've got calls about Stoke School. But the last one is the one I yep. think you wanted. Yep. Talks about direct imprisonment. A child could be sentenced to be direct imprisoned in correctional facilities. A child under the age of 14 years may not be sentenced to imprisonment. Imprisonment should be used only as a measure of last resort and only for the shortest appropriate period. But there you go. If you're a child between 14 and 18, you can go to actual jail. Mm. Now, let's hear who's gone there and what they find. Yeah. Ramesh Kumar on the WhatsApp line says, uh, Hi, Aubrey and Kerry. I feel that in, case, in a case where a child of school-going age attacks and endangers the life of, a fellow, of, fe, of fellow learners, teacher or headmaster with a dangerous weapon, uh, this child should be dealt with uh, as we would deal with an adult, says Ramesh. Uh, continues to say, though such an offender should be placed in criminal facilities separate from uh, uh, from where adult offenders are placed. My reasons for this view is that there are far too many scholars attacking or killing fellow learners and teachers uh, at school or in and around the school grounds. 
and that any and that any leniency here will normalize such conduct. This is already happening in South Africa. What about the victims who died or their surviving relatives? What about kids that may be abused to uh, used to commit murder by criminal syndicates? Uh, says this particular caller. Robert asks, "Good evening, uh, Mr. Masango. Can you ask Kerry if?" They are there are cases which are automatically expansed from Robert. Uh, your thoughts from those calls or from those comments from uh, our listeners, Kerry? I think with a Rajesh who spoke about treating the child like an adult. Yeah. Um, in a sense, I mean, I kind of agree, but I think that the Act does make provision for it because although we we hana hanned on in our early stages of our chat about the restoratives and the, you know, the, the more societal, society acceptable ones. There is certainly provision, and I mean, criminal trials do run and will run, and they're not fun. They run in court, and you stand in a dock, and you are treated like an accused, and that does happen. And as we've just read, they can go to jail, or they can go to, and maybe Stoat School. I mean, Stoat is naughty. Mm. It's not, it's it's criminal school or whatever we might want to call it. You mm-hmm. know, maybe Apple wasn't that naughty. I don't yep. know what they did apart from do some brilliant writing. But yeah, so I do think that there is mechanism for for treating those children the way they deserve to be treated. And I think that once we see more of it, other children will be deterred from it. But I do think it's important that they have these assessments because, you know, children are children. If you look at mm-hmm. the behavior of adults, we don't always know what we're doing. Of we know right from wrong, but we could do some stupid stuff. Sure. Now, children have much less life experience. They have so much less to draw on and lean on when they're making their decisions that you don't know what kind of decisions they're making, mm-hmm. how rational they are, how mature they are. Indeed. What was our second question? I didn't really understand it. Ask Kerry. Uh, I think good. Robert was asking, uh, and I'm not sure of, of this word, whether it is indeed a, a legal word, expansed. Uh, are there cases... Uh, which are automatically expansed from Robert. I think he means expunged. Expunged. Ah, all right. Yes. Okay. Not that I can tell. I think you have to, because remember the lower offenses, you don't get the record in the first place. So it seems to me that for the ones that you actually do have an actual criminal conviction, you need to apply to be expunged. And I think that's right, because again, it's a serious thing. You can't go around just going, oh, well, mm-hmm. you know, I was this, that, and the other, and it'll all be gone in five years. You must work to set things to right. I want to take a quick call from Ravan in Houghton. Hi, Ravan. Uh, hi, Aubrey. Hi, Kim. Am I pronouncing yeah. your name properly, Ravan? Rivan. Rivan. Go ahead, Rivan. Rivan. Yep. Uh, just a quick question. Years ago, we had a friend who was dating uh, another friend. And obviously, one was, I think, under 16 and one was over 16. And I think the parents then charged for, I think, underage... Um, Statutory rape. Yes, 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 yes. Can can your sister say, how does that work when when both are kids and, you know, what are the age restrictions and things like that and the implications, just so that we know? Great question. Thank you so much, Ravan in in, uh, Houghton. Uh, Kerry? Ay, ay, ay. I knew there was going to come something that I couldn't (laughs) answer. Um... The ages, as far as I'm aware, have changed. I think they've been significantly reduced. Um, That is another thing. And I know that the age of statutory rape for a a male child and a female child is different. I think the male child is older 
I'd be happy if colleagues are listening if they can phone in. But yeah, I mean those those are criminal offences, so they would be dealt with, you know, exactly in along the lines of what we've discussed. And I suppose what would happen is that they would you would look at the facts of that particular case. Yes. You know, was it an actual older child taking advantage of a younger child in the sense of real rape? Mm-hmm. Or is it just statutory rape of children who are a day away from a birthday and with the consent of their parents and maybe within societal parameters? I don't know. You'd look at those kinds of things and are they now older and they've actually got married or whatever, in which case surely you don't want to be putting those kind of people you know, into a criminal justice system, you want to be diverting them to maybe do some sort of community service at a community rape clinic or something like that. So again, with with every crime, it has to fit its particular circumstances. Kerry von Ludwig, thank you so much for agreeing to talk to us about this very important subject this evening. How do people get in touch with you if they want to consult, ask more questions? Uh, How do people get in touch with you? I have a website which is www.familylegal, not family law, family legal. I'm on Facebook as a private individual, not as, a, as an attorney. So there they'll just get a whole lot of dogs and horses and theater and music. Um, but they can find me as C-E-R-I, Von Ludwig, V-O-N-L-U-D-W-I-G. And yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm very easy to find. Google me if you have questions. Please do remember that I can't actually all the time answer just freebie questions because I do have a practice to Absolutely. run, but I'm very helpful where I can.